Oh, come on, saints. You can do better than that. Praise the Lord. 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 Ah, God is good. Amen. And all the time, God is very good. Uh, I heard some old folks say chicken is good, but God is great. Come on, yes, say amen. How many know God is great? Amen. Praise the Lord. So glad uh, to be here with you today and to share the word. Just before we get into the word today, a couple of things that we just want to um, uh, remind you of. Out in the hallway, uh, we have two kind of registrations uh, that are available for you. First is Go University. Uh, I thought somebody would say amen. Go University is our small group ministry. And uh, last semester, we had about eight groups that met all over the city of Cleveland. And uh, if you participated in those groups, just raise your hand. You were blessed at all. Put your hands together if you were blessed in any way, shape, or form. We had an amazing, amazing time last semester, and we're going to jump right back into it. Um, our group leaders are ready. They're fired up and ready to go. We got groups meeting from anywhere, from people's homes to libraries, et cetera. So, um, I, you know, one of the things I like to say, and I want you to hear me very clearly on this, this is one of these pastoral moments where... I'm like, you know, I'm really, really asking the saints to, um, to make a commitment to Bible study. Yes, but also make a commitment to each other. It is really impossible to grow spiritually by crowding into a building with a bunch of people uh, for a few hours one day a week and to grow. The way you grow is what the book of Acts says we ought to do, and that's that they joined together in groups, in homes. They shared life together. They shared the word of God together. And you didn't have to listen to um, somebody just preach to you the whole time. You can actually participate. So again, I just want to tell you, it's literally life-changing. We saw people come to faith in Christ as a result of it uh, last semester. And so we're looking for the same thing again. Uh, I can't remember all the groups that we have, but I know we got a lot of them. And um, we do have uh, these forms that you can go fill out to sign up for the group. If you're tech-savvy, you can go to our website, gvillesda.org, and register for a group. Again, we are strongly encouraging folk. We really feel like we're a stronger church, not really by what happens here, but what happens throughout the week. Would you say amen? Yeah. And the more people we can get in groups, uh, that's really our growth strategy. Our growth strategy, yeah, yeah, invite your friends to church. But the truth of the matter is, according to the most recent research, which I read just this morning, just this morning, an article came out, and the basic article suggested this. It says, just simply saying the Bible says so is not good enough anymore. There used to be a day where you get up and say, the Bible says keep the seventh-day Sabbath. And people would say, well, if the Bible says it, I'll follow it. Well, how does that work now when the majority of American population no longer has a reverence for the Bible? And so if they don't have a reverence for the Bible, more than likely they're not going to come to your church. Do you all understand what I'm saying? It's a different world now. People are really hostile towards organized religion. And it doesn't matter if we're Christian or not or whether you feel like we have the truth or not. It doesn't matter. People are resistant to religion. So one of the things that we're doing in order to meet people on level ground, to meet them where they are, is they may not come to your church, but they may come to your home. Some of you guys have coworkers and, and friends of yours who are not necessarily like, you know, that religious. But you do have influence with them. I hope you do. Amen, somebody. Hopefully you have some kind of influence. That's the reason why you're at that job in the first place. That's the only reason why you, why you go wherever you go. I mean, God puts you there to be salt and light. And God wants you to use your influence to say, hey, listen, come to my house uh, on a Tuesday night uh, like we have in our group at 7 o'clock. And you won't be there more than an hour. I promise you. Our groups last literally an hour. There's some good food. Amen. And you can get, you can get somebody to come just on the food alone. Amen. We got good food. We have a good time. And we also enjoy ourselves in the study of the word. And we're actually using some amazing Bible studies, TruthLink, which just looks at the word of God from a love perspective, which the world needs right now. Would you say amen? So again, if you weren't in a group last, last semester, uh, I don't want you to feel guilty at all. No, that's, I mean, why would I get up in here and try to make you feel guilty? That would just be like, the, it's not going to be successful. Trying to make somebody feel guilty is not going to make them join a group. However, what can inspire you to join a group is if you want to grow. And I'm telling you, if you want to grow, you need to be a part of the Go University groups. Would you say amen? Um, as a matter of fact, let's give a shout out to our group leaders today. Uh, Elder Cox and Elder Tibbs, would you guys just stand up real quick so people can see this awesome group that meets on Sundays? Amen. Amen. Awesome group that meets on Sundays. And then um, I don't see Nichelle. Uh, Pastor Johnson's out of town. And Pastor Bolgen is in there, and Paul Farrington, I haven't seen him, but that's their group, and they meet in Cleveland Heights Library, and they meet on Wednesdays, and that's an awesome group you might want to plug into. 
So these are your east side folk. And then we got another east side group, Pastor Myron Edmonds and Elder Zach Maddox. I saw Elder Maddox, Elder Maddox stand. Elder Maddox leads an awesome group. And that group goes between my house and his house, and we're in Cleveland Heights. And then we also have the, uh, the, the South Cleveland group. I say Southeast Cleveland. Is that right? Garfield Heights, that's Southeast Cleveland. Would you say so? Yeah. South what? Southeast, Southeast, right? Southeast Cleveland, and that's uh, uh, Elder Garvey Cummings, uh, uh, David Gibbons, Craig Long. Where are you guys at? Craig Long's over there, Garvey Cummings. I'm not sure if I've seen him, but he leads that group. And then we have Elder James and Barbara Davis, uh, Elder, Elder, Elder David Craig and Heather Brissett. They lead our group, which is in the Kinsman area at the Life Exchange Center. What's that? Is that what? Is that still considered like Eastside Cleveland near Shaker area? Yeah, that man. Stand up one more, stand up one more time so everybody can see you. They have an awesome group. Say amen. I want to be a part of their group. And uh, who else we got? I got to shout out my group leaders. They're awesome. Denise Marsh. Denise Marsh was here at first service. I don't know if she's here now, but Denise leads a 12 o'clock group that meets at her home, which is on the other side of Cleveland Heights. And uh, that's an awesome group. They meet every Wednesday at 12 o'clock. And then Dorian and Teresa Fowler, they also join uh, forces with Elder Barbara and James Davis. But I want them to stand as well because I thought I saw them somewhere uh, we got, you know, this, that's, that's one of our most diverse groups. We have people from all ages and backgrounds in that group, and I'm excited about them. Finally, uh, they think they're the best group because they have the best food. That's it. And it's strictly physical food. That's, no, I'm just kidding. Now, they bring a good word there. That's Elder Sean uh, Hunt, his wife Shelly, Eric and Michelle Paul, and Elder Dwayne Hall. Would you guys stand up? They meet in the Richmond. No, Lynnhurst. They meet in the Lynnhurst area. And um, Richmond Heights area, so they have a great group. Guys, please, please. I mean, I would rather you go to a group than come to church on Sabbath. And that sounds weird, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it sounds weird. If you go to group on, if you go to group during the week, you'll come to church on Sabbath. You will. This is where you get strengthened in the Word, and you know what you believe. Would you say Amen? One last thing I want to say before I preach, and that's we have another registration going on. And that's voters registration, and uh, we want to uh, make sure if you haven't registered to vote, uh, Donna um, Kelso Nelson. Uh, wait, did I get it right? All right, all right. Wave your hand, Donna. Donna, our very able administrative assistant, she will be in the hallway after service to see to it that you get registered for both Go University and to vote. I'm ready to preach. Let's look at our text for today in Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans chapter eight is our text. What book are we looking at, everybody? Yeah, what book? Yeah, try it again. What book, everybody? What chapter are we going to look at? Verse eight, and we're going to look at just one verse from this chapter as a backdrop, if you please, a backdrop, a context for really your life, but really for the text that we're going to look at today, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know, I try not to say this is my favorite text because I have a different text. How many of y'all, when you study the Bible, you got like a favorite text in 2015, now you got a new favorite text, and the word is just like that, right? So I got a new favorite text for today. It might change tomorrow, but it's Romans 8, 28, and I want to read it from the Amplified Bible. This is a great version of the Bible it, it, it literally does what its name says. It amplifies the text. Let's read this together, if you don't mind. The Bible says, and we know. Now, watch this. With what? With great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned. Doesn't that sound good? Uh, now, you know something good's about to come when the Bible says you're talking about a God that you can have great confidence in and who is deeply concerned about you. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, read everybody, causes all things. How many things, everybody? Read one more time. How many, everybody? Ah, now look at your neighbor and tell them how many it is. How many is it, everybody? It's all things. Causes all things to work together as a plan for what? For good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose, and the church said, amen. I want to talk on the subject today, how to break cycles. We are in our cold black series, and uh, we're kind of playing off the medical field where there's an emergency in the hospital called cold black. If someone there is a personal threat to themselves or to the entire hospital, we feel like the greatest threat to family is not Satan. We feel like the greatest threat to our families is us. It's us. It's us. Satan can't make us do anything. So we want to learn today how to break cycles. We want to learn today how to break cycles. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, the truth of the matter is, is there, there's, there are some things that are in our DNA that have been passed down from generation to generation. And they are designed really to hold us back 
from fulfilling our God-given purpose. I want us to be stuck. But we're praying today in the name of Jesus that as a result of the teaching of the word of God and not some display from a pastor, but as the Holy Spirit speaks, your word says, the truth shall set us free. I'm praying that truth will permeate our minds and our hearts, will penetrate the hardness of our hearts. Some of us today have a hardness of heart because of what life has done to us. I pray that grace and the Spirit of God will penetrate all of that today and meet us exactly where we are. Is our prayer in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen, amen. and amen. I wanna, my message today is really formulated around a question. My message today is formulated around a question. This is sort of an interrogative type of message today. I want to answer a question that I think is a relevant question, and I want to use the scriptures to do it. The question I want to ask is this. How do we move on from things done to us and things we have done? That simple. How do we move on? How do we move on? Move on. The implication there is, is that many of us are stuck. Many of us are stuck. Now, when I say that, it's... You know, it's really hard for a lot of us to receive that because the truth of the matter, what I, at least what I've discovered about life is that we are very good at discerning what's wrong with other people and not really good at discerning what might be wrong with us. Am I right about that? No, seriously. It's like it's so much easier to analyze and to assess what everybody else's problem is. But I've discovered I mean, it's just really difficult. And I'm going to tell you this. You cannot on your own observe your life and say, I'm stuck. Or, or I have not moved where I should be. It's really difficult to do that. What I've discovered that God does is God literally puts people in our lives, one thing. But what he really does is he causes circumstances. Uh, vicissitudes. That's just a big word for He lets life happen, and life happens in such a way that it kind of causes you to see stuff that you would not ordinarily see unless some things happen to you and unless you happen to some things. Okay, so uh, notice there's a scripture in the book of Hebrews that says it like this. It says that Christ, as an example of us, learned righteous obedience through suffering. Did Did you guys that, everybody? I just I haven't found a lot of people that learn a lot about God when life is perfect. Matter of fact, I don't know anybody in the Bible. I mean, for real, look at all the great people in the Bible. I mean, it just I mean, really, anybody great. They all had serious character flaws. And most of them didn't know they had character flaws until they experienced some serious hardship. And so, like, I want to just help somebody right now to understand that because you had a because you had a difficult or tumultuous life or because you're even experiencing one right now doesn't at all mean that God is punishing you. Again, I repeat this constantly. I repeat, this is a PSA. This is an announcement. If you, if God, think about this. If God were to punish you for all the bad stuff you did, don't you think that you've done enough to deserve death? My Bible says the wages of sin is death. So really, like nobody really here has ever really been punished. What we've experienced is the consequences of our choices. Are we, are we together on that? When you, listen, if I jump off this stage, I'm not going to take off and fly. It's just not going to happen. There's a law called gravity, and my, and my body's got to line up with it, right? It's cause and effect. And the bottom line is, if you make various decisions, or, please, don't, get, don't miss this, because we're going to see this in the text. If other people make decisions, their decisions have an impact on how your life is. This is why it's so important in the context of families that the way we treat each other, the way we make decisions. Now, I tell young people all the time when I go to speak to them that, like, you are, like, you are already preparing yourself for the kind of parent you are by the way you live right now. If you're a single person, you are already preparing yourself for the kind of husband that you're going to be right now. Like, you, you don't become a husband when you get married. God is forming you into a husband or a wife now. God's forming you to a good son or a good daughter. And you follow what I'm saying? Like everything in life is connected. And so my question for us is this. How do we move past those things? I showed you last week, and I just really want to just give you the backdrop. I I gave you science last week. I just paused on the Bible for a second. I gave you science last week that said that it is impossible 
to be raised a child on planet Earth and not experience childhood trauma. That everybody in here experienced adverse situations, adverse experiences, unwanted situations that have affected you. And listen to me, it doesn't matter how deep you are, how woke you are. Y'all know what that means, right? Ask, ask my young people what that means. No matter how woke you are, I, listen, listen to me, everybody. It doesn't matter how conscientious you are. It, you are never smart enough. You are never wise enough to be able to fix yourself in light of stuff that's happened to you. The, oh, listen, the, the research shows us that things that have happened to you have more of an, of an effect on your life expectancy than how you eat. Life can be shortened by 20 years based upon your upbringing. And you can't just, you can't just throw it away where I got a new job now and I'm making X amount of dollars and I'm finally doing what I want or I got married. I can talk about marriage. Like marriage don't change. I mean, listen, I tell people all the time, marriage brings out the worst out of you and the best out of you simultaneously. Hopefully it brings out the best. Parenting brings the worst out of you or the best out of you simultaneously. Listen, these relationships, and look at what God is doing. These relationships and these situations, and think about your life and your upbringing and, and where you came from and who you knew and, and what experiences you had. All of that is designed for Romans 8.28. That all things, no matter what the things were, the Bible doesn't say all good things, Sister Davis. The Bible says all things. That's good news. We should praise the Lord on that right now. We should praise the Lord on that. The Bible says all things. Amen. I mean, only those of you that have experienced hardship, those of you who have done some stuff and some stuff has been done to you can appreciate what I'm even saying right now. I want you to just pause for a minute. Think about your life. Think about all the dumb stuff. Think about all the nasty stuff. Think about all the hurtful things. Think about all the painful things that you've experienced. And I want you to pause in this moment right now and reframe whatever happened to you by saying all things work together for my good if I love the Lord. Oh, I don't know where if I... Is this the same church I preached at last week? Are y'all the same folk that was excited about God last week? How come nobody's talking to me? Okay, I'm going to make it very plain in our text today. So, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. And we're oh, I love Joseph. Somebody should have just got excited because I said Joseph. Like, like we're going to look at Joseph for a second. And we're just going to see how in Joseph's life, this is how we can learn to move past things we have done to others, and move past things done to us. Would you say amen? All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So here's the backstory. The backstory. Let's, let's review real quick for those of you. Uh, go back. For those of you who don't know. All right. Everybody, anybody a fan of Joseph? Like Bible students? Like anybody a fan of Joseph? Like, uh, I mean, seriously. I, and I, again, it's like almost my favorite Bible text. Like it's hard for me to choose, right? So like I got people in the Bible that are like my favorite characters. Okay, today is Joseph. Because I've been studying, Joseph, Joseph is the guy, all right? He's that guy. Now, let me tell you why I like Joseph so much. Because Joseph is like the story. He's like, he is like the story that you use for people who have had things happen to them. But yet learn, watch this, that if you love God, things don't happen to you. Things happen for you. So, so watch this. Joseph's daddy is bigger than a preacher. When you talk about important people, if, if Jacob walked in here, we all need to sit down and just say, Jacob, go ahead and speak, please. I mean, when you, when you think about the, the most important people in Scripture, let's talk about them. Abraham. I mean, the Lord himself told Moses, when you pray, pray in the name of the God of Abraham. Isaac. So, I mean, I like to say it like this. Jacob is a super saint. God didn't choose you. He chose Jacob. When he was trying to find somebody to be the father of many nations to produce Christ, he looked throughout every generation and said, I want him. Now, the, the, the issue that I have with that, just giving the backstory, is, is Jacob was not a good guy. And neither are you. <laughs> no, see, Jacob was not a good guy. And, but, but, but let me tell you why Jacob was not a good guy. And I'm, it's going to make a lot of sense to you. Jacob became a schemer and a deceiver because Jacob was schemed on and deceived. And I never realized that some of the worst attributes in us that we hate about other people. 
Watch this. So, so, so Jacob gets duped. I can't think of any worse way. The brother spent seven years trying to get his bay, his boo. This is a great deception, guys. Seriously. On the wedding night, I'm going to make it as graphic as possible. He's been, brethren, he's been waiting and working in the hot noonday sun. Seven years. My brother uh, prepares himself for the evening. He goes into the bedroom. Now, this is a strange thing. I don't understand this, but I do know they didn't have electricity. I'm just trying to figure out what it, there was no lights. Like, the only thing I can make sense of is Jacob was so excited <laughs> that he, it didn't even matter. <laughs> I want to say something, but I really can't right now, right? So y'all know the story, like, yes, I'll, be, I'll behave myself, so... Uh, I don't know how this happens. Maybe Leah and Rachel had the same physique. I don't know. But we do know that the Bible says that, Rachel, uh, that Leah's eyes were contorted. The Bible says that uh, she had weak eyes. That's cold, man. <laughs> That's cold-blooded. <laughs> and Jacob, in the heat of the moment, because he has waited for so long, fulfills his marital vows. The Bible says he wakes up in the morning. And he's been screwed. Literally. The Bible literally says he opens his eyes and he sees Leah instead of Rachel. And then he has to work another seven years because his father labored. Okay, so watch this. So oftentimes things that happen to us Watch this. He was schemed on and became a schemer. I can imagine Jacob complaining about how bad Laban was, but didn't realize. See, listen, if you do not give your pain to God, you inevitably will repeat what was done to you. You will become the person you despise. So now Jacob's got a bunch of scheming kids. Can I just, just real quick, like this is a really dysfunctional family. One of Jacob's sons slept with one of his wives. Two of Jacob's sons circumcised a whole army and then killed them because one of them raped his daughter where Jacob decided to do nothing about. This is God's family. This is the chosen family of God. Rape, incest, Murder, deceit, and lies. God says that's the family. Now, fast forward, J- Jacob finally gets to have a child with, with Rachel, and it's Joseph and Benjamin, and the Bible says that Jacob can't help himself because he never really wanted them other wives in the first place. So he favors Joseph. All the other kids got shoes from Payless, and, J- and, 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 and Joseph got on J's. Okay, all right. Well, the Bible says that he had a robe of many colors, and which essentially says he had a kingly, princely robe, which meant that his robe went down to his legs. Not the colors that got these guys. It's the shape of the robe. See, if you were a servant, your robe get, went to waist length because that meant you needed to work. But if you were royalty, your robe went to the ground, which meant you don't work. So while the boys were, all the rest of the boys out there working, Jacob was chilling with his father. And this created an environment of distrust and envy. And to make matters worse, here it is, to make matters worse, not only did Jacob put Joseph in a tough predicament with his family to the extent that his brothers, we know, got to a place where they decided, should we sell him or should we kill him? Y'all, I'm, my family's dysfunctional. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like, I don't, any, any of your siblings put y'all up for slavery? 
They're choosing like we don't know what we should do. They sit down there eating chicken wings while he's in a pit, and they're like, uh, let's sell him. Like that's a, like that's a, that's a merciful thing to do. The Bible says they sold him, and so in one respect, Joseph's life was painful because of what his father caused. Now, I'm going somewhere. Here's the other thing. Joseph's life was also difficult because of what God did. Now, this is where I want to go today. We know what Jacob's father did, but watch this. The Bible says that God gave Joseph a dream. And that this dream that he gave him was a controversial one. This is what the dream said. The dream essentially said that all your brothers are going to bow down to you. Now tell me this. Is that kind of dream going to bring about family unity? Let's be honest. God literally said, I'm picking Joseph out of everybody else. The oldest, the middle, all of them. Joseph is going to be my man. And all of you will bow down. Joseph being the kid don't know no better, so he speaks it out loud. Hey, guys. Now, now he's not working. It's already bad. And when they see him coming, they're upset because he got this robe. You know what I'm saying? He got a little walk going with it. Y'all know how brothers walk. Hey. What's up, y'all? Oh, hey, man, listen, praise God, brothers. Let me tell you, listen, the Lord is good. Yo, y'all keep working. Now, y'all keep working when I share this with you. No, 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 don't take a break. Keep it up. Uh, Daddy, Daddy wouldn't want us to stop. But let me just tell y'all what God, listen, man, hey, y'all going to be so happy for your boy. The Lord just told me yesterday in a, in a dream that, that one day I'm going to be so great that all of y'all going to bow down. Come on. Come on and bless him, fellas. Look, God about to turn some stuff around in our family. Y'all hold on. I'm going to bring y'all up with me, but you're going to have to bow down first. Now, 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 watch this, guys. Let's, let's assign blame to the correct person. Let's assign blame. Who put him in that person? Yeah, you say, well, he shouldn't have bragged. He's a kid. He's 17 years old. I don't know if he told it that way, but let's be honest. Not only did his father, his earthly father, put him in a tough position that made his life difficult. Oh, the Lord gave him a dream. Oh, listen, here, here's, here's, here's an incredible point that I want to bring out to you now. One of the reasons why your life is so difficult is because of the dream. One of the reasons why your life is so difficult is because of the calling. (gasps) This ain't for everybody. One of the reasons why your life has been such a hell on earth It's because you got an assignment. One of the things that amazes me about God is God will tell you destination. He's worse than GPS. Like GPS, you plug in the destination and what spits out? The instructions, right? He's worse. God tells you destination and doesn't tell you how to get there. How many, let's be honest. How many of you today, if you knew all that you would have to go through, in order to get where God is trying to take you, would go that way anyway. If God said, first stop, molestation. If God said, first stop, abortion. If God said, oh, you're not hearing me. If God said, first stop, abandonment. If God said, first stop, divorce. If God said, first stop, poverty. If God said, are y'all hearing me? If God said, first stop, imprisonment. If God said first stop cancer, if God said first stop born with AIDS, if God said first stop born with some debilitating, if God said first stop, how many of you would say this is the way, walk ye in it? If God said first stop, you're going to be great. Here's the dream. Here's the vision. I'm going to do And how many can say right now? How many can just rejoice right now? You may not have known all the details. You may not have understood the destination. But how many have known? Oh, I feel him in this place. How many have known from a child that the Lord's hand is on you? I'm begging you to admit that right now. I am begging you to admit that right now. How many? You may not have understood everything. You may not have been able to describe or articulate, but how many just have a feeling? How many just know, thank you, Lord? How many just have always known that I'm different? How many have always known that God has got a plan for my life? How many of you have always known that there's something special about me? 
Well, part of you going to your destination is that you have to go through hell before you get there. Off the top, God says, Joseph, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to be born into one of the worst families on the planet. That's, that's stop number one. The first thing that I want you to experience is hatred from your brothers. The first thing I want you to experience is enslavement. The first thing I want you to experience is accusation. Joseph gets into Egypt. Come on now. And the Bible says, this is a good thing. Oh, man. The Bible says that when Joseph gets into Egypt, it says that everything Joseph touches is blessed. <laughs> like, he, he's a slave. And God is blessing. See, when God is with you, Lord have mercy. When God, listen, when a dream has been declared over your life, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. doesn't matter what cell block you're on. If the Lord is with you, if God's hand is on you, Watch this. And so Joseph, I mean, as soon as things start working out for his good, he gets a sexual harassment charge. Do y'all, y'all read your Bibles? Am I telling the truth? Yeah. As, he gets a sexual. He didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing. He didn't do anything. Potiphar's wife rolls up on him and is like, ooh. Sends out all the workers. Y'all going home uh, early tonight. Joseph is packing his stuff. Oh, praise God. We're going to go home and see it. Not you, Joseph. Bring your little thick self over here, boy. Yo, yo, part of the Bible says that she nagged him day and night. Y'all know that y'all would not, if if you was Joseph, the story would have ended right there. Listen, day and night, Potiphar's wife. The Bible says, and so we all know what happened. She, she falsely accuses him. They throw him in prison. Is this how you get to where God has called you? In prison. 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 I was just watching a documentary the other day with my kids. We got this thing now. We're making them watch documentaries instead of stupid TV, right? So we're watching documentaries, and we're watching this documentary about Ohio and how in the state of Ohio, they are locking up children like it's crazy. In the public school system, we saw one kid who threw Skittles at somebody and they put him in juvie, which is basically, once you, listen, once you get in the system, it's hard to get out, y'all. You violate one probation. They know if you violate probation, you're done. They know that you're going to be in the system forever. It's a setup. They got these kids locked up. And this is what they're trying to do. And here's the point I want to bring home to you. What they're trying to do is break you. What, what, what Satan thought he was doing to Joseph, Mike, was breaking his hope. Now, here's the thing. Many of us are assembled in here right now. We're in church. We're in church. But guess what? You don't got no hope. Like, Satan doesn't care if you go to church. That's real. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. You came to church today. Oh, Satan is really afraid of you today. You came to church. Satan does not care if you go to church. He doesn't even care if you pray. If he has broken your will to fight for what God promised. And so what they're trying to, what Satan thinks he's doing to Joseph is breaking him. I mean, think about it. How much stuff can a person take? How much stuff can a person go through before they say enough is enough, I'm done with God? Come on in here, somebody. If this was the story, this Joseph story is the story of the majority of people in the modern-day times that we're living in. They experience pain at the hands of their family. They experience pain at the hand of society. They get gunned down in the streets when they raise their hands in the air and, and comply with police officers. The world that we are living in has no hope for anybody or anything, including the church and God. And what Satan is trying to do is break your will. So what happens? The Bible says even in prison, the Lord found a way to get him out. Some dudes were supposed to look out for him. The the butler and the baker. I got you, Joseph. (laughs) Bro, you you looked out for me. You interpreted a dream. As soon as I get out, you my dude. And what happens? They fail him. Has anybody ever had that happen to you before? People made promises to you. Your daddy said he's going to come visit you, but he would never come. 
People, may, people, people never necessarily made verbal promises to you, but because of who they were in your life, you expected certain things from them and they never gave it to you. Mercy. Never. Joseph was constantly, his family dis- disappointed him, and now he looked out for these guys in prison. They forgot about him. But listen to me, everybody. Oh, my God. Listen, you are, your, your, your ability to be able to get out of where you are has nothing to do with what somebody else can do for you. You can, can take your confidence out of your boss. Take, take, stop trusting your boss to make moves for you. It's not going to happen. Stop worrying about how somebody is going to move you to the next level. What I've discovered is if God is for you. But look at Joseph. Joseph has nobody. Joseph has nothing. Joseph doesn't speak the language. But God arranges, listen, this is how much God loves you. God arranges a famine in the whole region just to get Joseph out of prison. Did you hear what I just said? The famine was for Joseph. God says, what do I need to do to get him out? I'm going to give Pharaoh a dream that a famine is coming. He's not going to be able to explain it, but I'm going to put it in the mind of Joseph. And that's going to remind the butler to get Joseph out of prison because I don't need a warden to get him out. I don't need a clean, uh, I don't need a clean record to get him out. I don't need him to be expunged to get him out. All I need to do is put an idea in the mind of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going to listen to me. Pharaoh's going to get Joseph. And Joseph's going to come out from prison to prime minister. Oh, my Lord. Oh, mercy, mercy. Somebody ought to be praising God right now. See, because when God gets ready to bless you, that's why you got to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Because listen to this. When God gets ready to bless you, you are going to skip levels that you would have normally had to take if the Lord were not with you. When God is getting ready to bless you, God will move you from prison to the palace. Y'all not hearing me in here. Do you see what happens when we lean and depend upon God? Backstory, y'all. So watch this. So Joseph is moved out. Now, this is the question I want to ask you that I, it hit me. Y'all ready for this? Watch this. I, I, want, I want you to put your, as my teacher, Miss Yaros, used to stay at Collingwood Seventh-day Adventist Academy in uh, Collingwood, New Jersey, back when I was a kid. She said, put your thinking caps on. All right, go, go here with me for a second. Joseph gets out of prison. Joseph becomes prime minister, governor. He's running Egypt. God orchestrates a famine that forces his brothers to come where he is so that they have to bow down. Now, here's my question. If I, what, when Joseph got out of prison, why didn't he go looking for his brothers? Uh, okay. If it were me, payday is coming. You with me, right? You feel me? I'm talking about as soon as I get out and I'm prime minister, it's on. I'm prime minister. I, I, I speak to soldiers and they move. Whatever the equivalent is of Egyptian Navy SEALs, I'm asking them, let's take a trip. And I'm not gonna, I ain't going to bother my daddy. I'm not going to bother my little brother. Oh, but we're going to make them bow down. And then we're going to put them in the ground. Come on, say amen. Why didn't he? Can I tell you why? Although I believe Joseph wanted to, and we know that when Joseph finally met his family, he put them through all kind of hell. Y'all know the story, right? I mean, he started planting stuff and setting them up and locking folk up and doing all this. And the truth is, man, he didn't have to do all that. He didn't have to do all that. But here's the thing that we often don't talk about when we talk about moving past stuff and breaking cycles. We don't talk about the fact that it is a process. 
a lot of times church people will give you the impression that if something has happened to you or, you know, just, I mean, like sprinkle some holy water on you, come down the aisle one time, say amen, and then when you leave, you, I mean, I mean, look, case in point, I know of a situation where there's a, a young girl, well, she's not young anymore, but there was a, a young lady who was molested by her father who was an elder for 25 years. Okay, and so when you talk to somebody like that, we ain't talking about TV. I'm talking about real life. When you talk to somebody like that uh, and, and, they, and they begin to accept Christ into their life, are you expecting them to get over that overnight? How does that happen? Are you seeing what I'm saying? No, no, no. You're not going to go to hell if you still have anger. You're not going to go to hell if you still have issues. You're not going to be lost if you still got problems that you're trying to resolve I believe that God's grace covers us even in the process what you have to have a made up mind is is that I'm not going to stay where I am come on say amen I'm not going to continue to live in this brokenness I don't want to continue to be bound by other people's thoughts about me I'm going to get through but it's a process it takes time think of this why why haven't you fully realized the plan of God for your life right to this minute. And that includes me. Everybody in here, be honest. Nobody in here is fully walking in God's plan for your life. Nobody. But humble yourself in here right now. Do not sit up here and act like you are doing everything God wants you to do. But I ask you, why is it that you have not done everything God's told you to do, but you're still alive? Because God knows you're a process. Oh, God knows you are a process. God is in it for the long haul. God is committed to your renovation process. God is committed to your changes. God is committed to your ups. God is committed to your downs. The Bible says even if you make your bed in hell, God is going to walk you through it. So this is the backstory, right? And here we're going to end here. Watch this. So. His, his brothers, you know the story, they go back and forth. And finally, Joseph reveals himself. Go ahead, show the text. Skip, skip, skip. Right here, oh, go back, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. One more time. Go back, right, yeah, right there. I want to read this first. So here's the, here's the thing. Before we read this text, I want you to get this critical point. Satan is so defeated in your life that he is actually bringing about in your life the very thing he's trying to stop. That's all I've got today. I'm going to read the text. I'm going to show you how it happens, and we're done. I want to read that again. Satan is so defeated, and he knows this, that everything he's doing to destroy you, he's actually doing, whatever he's doing to destroy you, it's actually helping you to fulfill God's plan for your life. That's what Romans 8.28 means. It means all things work together. All things. I'm going to read it again. Satan is so defeated that he is actually bringing about in your life the very thing he's trying to stop. Okay, so in your mind, you got this pretty picture of how life is going to go, and it's going to go this way, it's going to go that way. And, and so Satan comes in, and Satan says, oh, Joseph, for real? Oh, I'm throwing you in prison. God's like, <laughs> he doesn't even know that prison is like the next step to the palace. And then the Lord's like, well, now that he's in the palace, I'm going to make him so mad and so hard-hearted that, he, that they never bow down. But what God does is, is God even works through that, and God causes a storm. God causes a famine to take place that brings eventually the plan that God has said. Here's what I want you to get right now. If God declared something on your life, the only person that can stop it is you. Good news or What? God is not more powerful than your choice. God can speak dead things into existence, but he can't force you to do anything. Notice what the text says. It says, and we know, right, that all things work together. All things, right? All things, right? All things work together for good to them that what? It didn't say all things work together for good to them that date God. To them that flirt with God. Oh, listen, come on in here. There's got to be a commitment here. The Lord says, I, listen, he says, when you're with me, he says, doesn't matter what the devil does against you. 
The Lord said, listen, and it's hard for us to understand this because our sensitivities struggle with the idea that God would allow a human being to suffer the way he does. So if you look at somebody like the girl I told you about who was raped, you're seeing that God is in heaven and that's happening and he does nothing. Come on now. This is why people don't go to church. Because stuff has happened in their life and they cannot understand why God would sit up there and do nothing and allow children to be molested. I know you got an answer for that, don't you? You don't have any answer for that. Here's the answer for that, brothers and sisters. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. How can you say that, preacher? Look at Joseph. They thought they killed him. They thought that they had locked him up. They thought that they had put him away. And what they literally, what Satan literally does when he inflicts pain on you is he actually positions you for where God can elevate you. Watch this. Here it is. Let me show it to you from the scriptures. It says, Joseph could not control himself. You know, the brothers are there. He's like, I can't hide myself anymore. He says, before all who stood by him, he cried. Make everyone go out from me. I mean, just the grief. He says, so no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Watch this. The Bible goes on. It says, and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Now, now, now listen, that's some grief on a whole nother level. This man has been bottling this thing up for, what, 30 years? And in a moment, finally, where he is confronted with the people that have put him where he is, he can no longer hide himself. He can no longer control his emotions. And he belts out, oh! Oh! Oh, God! Are y'all there? Lord, have mercy! The emotions, the pain, the memories, everything is flooding his mind right now. He's thinking, I should have been dead. This is what he's thinking. He's not angry at them. In his mind, the dream comes back. The dream comes back. His brothers are bowed before him. And in his mind, he's saying, I didn't know you. I didn't know it was going to happen like this. I thought I was going to lose my mind in prison. And I thought nobody loved me. And I thought nobody would rescue me. But God, you saved me. God, you elevated me. God, you positioned me. God, you fulfilled your plan for my life. And I can hear the anguish. Oh, God. Watch this, y'all. The Bible says, he says, I am Joseph. He says, my father's still alive. But his brothers, they couldn't even answer because they're overwhelmed with grief. Have you ever had to confront somebody that you hurt, but you didn't hurt them? You thought you hurt them? You thought for it. Watch this. The Bible says, go on to the next one. Watch this. this, For they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. (laughs) Buckle your seatbelts, everybody. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. Oh, let me be a fly on the wall in that room. Can I keep going? Watch this. He says, and now do not be distressed. Now, that's not what they were expecting. Listen, y'all. Joseph has experienced God's grace in his life to the extent now that where he has the power to show no mercy, he can't help but show mercy. He says, watch this. He says, do not be distressed or angry. He's comforting them. He says, with yourselves, because you sold me here. Now watch this. For for God. See, this is you. I wouldn't even be in this situation if my daddy would have been in my life and if my mama, she did this, that, and the other. She messed up my credit because she was doing this, that, and the other, and, and, and so and so. I mean, I, I wasn't bothering nobody. I was just a little girl, and he put his hands on me. And I know it sounds real insensitive and, and all this stuff. But listen, Joseph. Joseph could have been like, you know, my brother, uh, my, my daddy wasn't a good daddy. He, he, you know, he, he showed me favoritism, and, and it made my brothers hate me. And I, I didn't really have nobody. I was, I was lonely the whole time. I was living in his house, and then, and then those same brothers that I wanted to get attention from and love from, they going to throw me uh, into slavery. 
slavery, and, and then when I get into slavery, I'm, I'm helping out Potiphar, and, and I'm doing all the right things, and then I turn around, and then Potiphar's wife turned on back on me. And then I get into prison, and when I'm in prison, the guys that I help, they don't do That's people's attitude. Some of y'all in here right now, how do you call yourself a Christian when you sit around the whole time and, and give glory to the devil? Huh? I, you know, I can't, none of these men are good. These, all these men, they, you know, I, I can't, they, they, I just married this, and then my, my kids. And then, so listen, you know what? Listen, the prob- your problem is, is you view life through the lens of your pain instead of viewing life through the lens of your purpose. And so, and so I'm going to show you the danger of this. Watch what Joseph says. Joseph was like, Oh, no, no. Y'all relax. Hey, calm down. No, 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 no. Let it go, bruh. No, I'm telling you. The Bible says, he said, come near to me. Relax. Come here, come here. He's he's appealing to us. Like, no, no, seriously. Simeon, Judah, let it, brother, listen, listen, I I love you. Listen, God told me some stuff. I used to think that y'all put me here. But I realize now, y'all didn't do this. No, 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 no. Let it go, brother. I get it now. Yes, you did some stuff that hurt me, but I realized God was in this. And, and, and what you meant for evil, God actually, listen, y'all, I'm telling you, you've you got to be on a whole nother level with spiritual maturity to be able to look at hell and see good out of hell. You got to be on, you got to be on a whole nother level. You had to have been through some stuff and survived it. Where are my survivors at in here? To be able to say, no, 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 no. I'm not a victim. I'm victorious. I'm not ab- I'm not an abused person. I am the righteousness of Christ. No, 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 no. I am not what they say I am. I'm not a hoe. No matter what I did, I am the righteousness of Christ. I am a daughter and a child of God. You didn't do that. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. God sent me. God sent me to slavery. God sent me to prison. God sent me to the palace. Why? Because God sent me to save your life. Y'all not hearing me in here. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. The only reason why I'm here today is because God did something through you in me so I could save you. Wave your hands if you know what I'm talking about. The very people that hurt you, God's going to use you to bless them. Come on in here, somebody. Go on, go on, go on, go on. He said, for the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. He says, and God sent me. He's trying to make that thing clear before you to preserve for you a remnant and to keep alive for you many survivors. Are y'all hearing me now? Think about this. Think, think. Everybody here. Everybody here. Everybody here. God did not bring you through all you went through for you to be angry. God did not. This is going to sound rough, but I'm going to say it anyway. Some of you have wasted your trials. You wasted them. All these trials are supposed to make you stronger, wiser, more thankful, more grateful, more purposeful. But you have allowed the enemy to make you think he's been running your life. Stop praising the devil. We got too many devil praise and worship leaders. They're called complainers. They're called criticizers. They, they lead worship for Satan. All they do is go around and give him glory. They talk about what he's doing. They talk about what they're doing. They talk about why this person ain't right and why that person ain't this. And if this person would be better and this person would do this, oh, close your mouth and be like Joseph and say, no, 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 no. Oh, baby, you didn't bring me down. You lifted me up. You didn't put the nail in the coffin. Oh, you thought you did, but God was planning a resurrection. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. He said, Joseph still talking. He said, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. (laughs) He made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Continue. Now, 70 years goes by. 70. 
How many did I say, y'all? Did y'all know that? After Joseph, when Joseph revealed himself the first time and said, look, guys, we good. We good. Trust me, we good. No. Look, I can see them making all, no, man, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. Bro, I don't know. Let me just be your slave or something. I don't know. Come on. Bruh. It ain't even about you. God did this. Our whole family screwed up. Stop tripping. I'm jacked up too. The Lord did this. We're good. 70 years goes by. Then, Joseph, then, then Jacob dies. And the boys are like, uh-oh. Watch this. Go ahead. Watch this. Put the text. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. So they sent a message. They concocted a lie. Even though Jacob was dead, his ways weren't dead in his children. Scheming. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, <laughs> they lying. They just... <laughs> Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin. Now, the only way that could come out of their mouth is if they thought they weren't genuinely forgiven. Oh, I'm about to, I'm about, listen, get ready for the hurricane. It's coming. Watch this. He says, and they did, because they did evil to you. Watch this. And now, they're still making up the story. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God your father. Next verse. Joseph wept. He like, this is, Jesus be doing the same thing. I told y'all y'all was forgiven. I told you. I told you you was the head and not the tail. I told you that if I, I, I told you, I promise you, I'm going to take care of you. I told you that. Joseph tripping. He like, come. When 70 years done gone by. And for 70 years, y'all still been stuck. For 70 years, the cycle still is not broken. Watch this. He says, his brothers also came and fell down before him. Did y'all see what just happened there? What did the dream say? The dream said they're going to do what? <laughs> I don't know why y'all worried about God fulfilling his plan. Mind your business and obey him, and it's going to happen, right? Here it goes. Watch this. So the next verse, next verse, next verse. He says, behold, we are your servants. Now watch this. Go ahead. Now watch this. Projection. This is where we're going to end. Why didn't those boys feel like they were forgiven? called projection. Come here. Come here. This, this is what we do. These boys did. I got to leave y'all with this. This, this Joseph right here. Uh-huh. And um, because we are not forgiving people and because we don't forgive ourselves, we assume everybody else is like us. Okay, let's, 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 let's get in your pew for a second. You're a gossiper. So you think, it doesn't matter what he says, you think he's talking about you. You don't like people and are mean. So you assume everything everybody else does is mean. It's called projection. We project upon people what we haven't resolved in ourselves. Now here's the worst thing. Let's reverse Joseph and make him Jesus. Jesus says, you're covered. He said, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive them, cleanse you all rights. It's over. When, listen, when, when, you, when you confess to the Lord Jesus Christ your sin at that moment, he forces himself to, I, I, I say pretend because I can't think. He just, it's not pretend, but he makes himself never even know that it happened. Y'all can't do that. The Bible says he takes your sins and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. When, he, when, when I say, Jesus, I repent of my sin, Jesus says, it's over. I'm done with it, and I'm not going to treat you tomorrow like what you did today. But what we do is, is because we're not forgiving people, because we're not gracious people, and because we're judgmental and critical people, we assign God that he's like us. And this is why, I'm, we're, we're, whoever's playing today, they need to get close by. This is why, this is, oh, then I, oh, there you are. Perfect. You give me a check, huh? Don't go nowhere. Don't go. This is why many of us are stuck. Here, here it is. Here it is. 
Joseph's brothers were stuck, listen y'all, because they could not believe that grace was that real. God bless you, you guys. Have a good day. We're done. That's it. They could not move past what they had done, even though Joseph freed them, because they did not appropriate the grace that Joseph gave them. We do the same thing. Jesus says, have mercy. Jesus says, I'm covering you. Jesus says, I'll never leave you. Jesus says, I'll never forsake you. But because we're not that way, we think Jesus is going to treat us the way we are to others. But I got good news today. That's not who he is. Grace is better than you expected. Grace is more amazing than you had even imagined. Grace is so good. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. Grace is better than you believed. Grace can forgive anybody. Grace can forgive anything. And when Christ says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. When Christ, listen, you got to stop looking at yourself as, as such a loser and as such a victim. And you need to start declaring what you are in Christ. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I shall go forward. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against me. I know Satan says, oh, no, you're a liar. You say, Satan, yes, I've lied, but I'm not a liar because now I am set free in Christ Jesus. Satan says that you're a sex addict. You say, yes, I have made indiscretions and I have made mistakes, but I believe the report of the Lord. And I declare that I am saved by grace through faith and not of myself. It is a gift of God. You've got to make up in your mind to accept what Christ has given. Listen, 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 listen. You may be seated, brother. Listen, 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 guys. The cycle has been broken. You don't need to break a cycle. Stop saying that. Oh, we got to break some chains and we got to break cycles. I know the song is out there. It's a hot song. I love it. Break every chain. Guess what? The chains are broken. Yes. They are broken. You need to believe it. You need to carry yourself like it. I'm going to end with this illustration. So uh, there's a, uh, a bicycle company that uh, had noticed that they were getting a lot of returns on shipments because when the bicycles were getting to people's homes, the bicycles were broken. A high percentage, like 30% of the products they were sending, they had to keep doing returns. How many know that costs money? Right? So, look, in business, when they see something wrong, they say, we're going to fix it. Right? So, watch this. They said, what is the issue? And someone in the meeting said, the issue is, is that because people see that this is a bicycle box, they treat it any old kind of way. They said, it's heavy metal. We can just throw it here and throw it there. They said, let's do this. Let's change the label for shipping purposes. And let's put on the label a television. What happened? All the way down, the incidences of broken bicycles. Why? See, many of us, <laughs> you're so caught up of what's on the inside that you're not willing to start treating yourself better than what's on the inside. I need you to put a new label on the inside. I know your heart is wicked. I know you're evil. I know you've done some stuff, and some stuff's been done to you. But guess what? Put a new label on the outside, and you'll get to the destination. Uh, the, the shipment will go through if you stop treating yourself like a bicycle and start realizing you can be a high-def television. Come on in here, somebody. you got to change that. You have to change how you see yourself. The Bible says it is by the renewing of our minds. It says be not conformed to this world. Be People only will treat you the way you treat yourself. You have, got, Lord have mercy. You have got to make up your mind that I am bigger and better than what my insides say. Because I'm not based on the sum total of what happened in my life. I am based on the sum total of what Christ has done in my life. Live the perfect life. Come on, it's good evening, y'all. Huh? What else did he do? He, he died on Friday. Huh? What else did he do? He rested on Sabbath. And the Bible says I was right there with him. And then early Sunday morning, the Bible says he got up 
with all power in his hands. And when Christ got up, I got up. You got up. I am no longer considered a sinner. I am now a sinner saved by grace. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, there are many of us that can't move past our issues because of one reason. We have embraced our issues. We identify ourselves with our struggle instead of identifying ourselves as a new creation in Christ. So from here on out, we're going to stop projecting on God and others our issues. And instead, we're going to project Christ and what Christ says about us on our lives. Your heads about your eyes closed. There's, there's somebody here today that just wants to stand and say, Pastor, I, and I look at my life and see all the things that have happened. And I know that God has been working things together for my good. Somebody's got to admit that right now. You're not sitting here right now because you did anything great. You're here right now because God was kind. He was merciful. He gave you a dream. And when God speaks it, it's going to happen. Is there someone here today that's not ashamed? That's not afraid? If anything that you... Oh, bless your name, Father.